Now, talking travel with travel expert and specialist Sally Lucas. Today, Sally's going to look at glaciers. They're so pretty to look at when you go travelling, and we might be able to do that fairly soon, maybe, maybe. question mark, question mark. But you need a dream list, don't you? Yeah, oh, look, you have to. And a lot of these companies that we've normally been able to, you know, use in the past have been giving us lots of lovely information about geological or flora or fauna or things that you'll, you'll see when we dream and we do go on these trips again. So it's just nice to pass on some of this information. So this has been passed on to us by a small ship cruising company called Victory Cruise Lines and they operate cruises up and down Alaskan coast. And they also do the Mexican Peninsula and they do the other side of America too, up around the waterways over there. So they do a mix of it but it's all small ship cruising which only takes usually about, roughly about 200 passengers. So nice way of travelling. And, and, and get up close and personal. Yes, well they nudge shoreline, in quite yeah. close to the yeah. shoreline as you say. So what they've said is, you know, Glaciers are one of the biggest ecotourism draws in the world, and of course, Alaska has plenty of them. And they thought they'd tell us where glaciers come from or how they form. So they say perfect conditions are required to form a glacier. Mountain peaks with snow falling, not rain, and when that snow lands, it mustn't melt. So this usually means that only extremely cold, high altitude areas will work. So that's interesting. So then I guess it just keeps building. This pile of snow keeps building, becomes a dense snowpack. And then the weight of the snow crushes itself until it becomes more like ice. So it's interesting, isn't it? And then over hundreds of years, of course, they grow and grow and grow. Um, and then, of course, a lot of them break away, of course, and have sheets break off, which is quite spectacular to see as well. But they've travelled by then too, haven't yeah. they? They yeah. go down the mountain. Well, it says depending on where it starts and where it moves, it becomes several types of different glaciers. And there's four types, valley glaciers, Piedmont, Hanging and Tidewater. So if it's a glacier that becomes trapped between valley walls, of course, it's a valley glacier. If it managed to escape the valley into low areas, it's a Piedmont glacier. If it falls out of a valley, it's a hanging glacier. <laughs> Very obvious, aren't they? And the Tidewater glaciers are by far the most popular because it means it's moved past the low areas of the Piedmont glacier out into the sea and they're the ones that you obviously get to see more often so it's very interesting and why are they important so they say it's their behemoths of nature that are essential to the health of the planet they provide a home for 19 species of birds and 16 species of mammals all of which are so specialized that they face endangerment without their homes yeah, that's interesting yeah and also the world's fresh water supply has mm -hmm. contribute to that of course as well with areas in india and the asian continent uh, relying directly upon summer meltwater for their supplies during the years to irrigate crops, etc., etc. And there are also hydroelectric power plants that use glacial resources to power their countries as well. So isn't that interesting? So it's a very delicate balance of, you know, what our planet relies on and how we need to look after it, mm -hmm. indeed. Yes, indeed. So keep that in mind if you are dreaming and if you want to do small ship cruising, that's one of the many companies that you could do small ship cruising with and it's an all-inclusive package when you cruise with them, um, like all your meals, even your afternoon teas, onboard lectures, shore excursions are included, lovely Egyptian cotton, your beds, and you know, lots of nice concierge service and so on and so on. So it's a lovely way to cruise, and just with a small group of people is always a very nice way to cruise anyway. So what are the closest glaciers to Australia if we were when wow. we to travel? Um, New Probably Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. On the west coast. Yeah. There. Yeah. 
And they're spectacular too, aren't they? They are spectacular. Yes, yeah, so of course, there's Antarctic, but they've got course. wonderful glaciers oh. too, and then Alaska, well, so it's plenty. I'll never forget Christmas Day when we were down in Antarctica. We were at Paradise Bay. And from memory, Jane, you may know the number, I could be wrong here, there's either 11 or 13 glaciers spilled down into that bay. It is so One spectacular, bay. isn't it? I mean, it's just mind-blowing. Yes. So hopefully when we can travel again, we'll hope you're all saving your pennies and you can go and do some of these wonderful things when the world opens up to us once more. And uh, we are going way down now, not quite way down, we're going way out, Sally We're Lucas. going out, out and up a bit. Um, Lord Howe Island, of course, one of my special places, very close to my heart, have been going there on and off for over 30 years. So it's a delightful spot and it's widely regarded, I reckon, as the most beautiful island in the Pacific and it's the closest, of course, for us to visit, part of New South Wales. And you'll be one of only 400 visitors if you go there. It's restricted and it's just less than two hours flying and it's one of just four island groups to be inscribed on UNESCO's World Heritage List for global significance of its natural beauty and heritage. So it was first discovered by Lieutenant Henry Lidgebird Ball, commander of the first fleet ship supply in 1788 while he was en route between Sydney and the penal settlement of Norfolk. Mm. So he named the uninhabited island after British Admiral Richard Howe and the sea stack that we know to the south of it after himself, Ball's Pyramid. Um, so and of course Lidgebird, his other name also Yes, is, is the mountain of Lidgebird and then you've got Gower of course as well. Um, Gower is considered, you know, it's a pretty strenuous hike but one of the best walks you can do if you've got chains and all sorts of things to, to get up there so it's a very much a weather permitting i think scott had to we've been there three times and he only got the, that walk in in the last time because once the, or the cloud or the, or the weather too windy too rainy of course they they don't want to risk make any take any risk should i say of getting you up there and you do have to do it with a guide um just to let you know that beautiful view uh, though on a good day oh yeah well i can just imagine i haven't done it but but he has so yes um and you might want to just do something at the end of it to ease your muscles i'd say like a nice spa yeah. or something you've got a range of accommodation on lord howe of course from from budget right up to five star and there's just a brand new one opened called island home on a piece of land that was owned by a maxwell family and they've built two houses on it and apparently mr hemsworth and his tribe have just been over there from byron and i think it you know costs something like twenty three hundred dollars a night or something but you have the whole house so and of course you've got the other one capella which is owned by baileys who owned the southern lodge in kangaroo and i believe they are starting to rebuild that jane there you go Sally. so but back to lord house so you've got the most it's a most beautiful lagoon of course and it's the world's most southerly coral reef so around at ned's beach you can just walk into the water it's safe for kids you can snorkel swim and feed all these wonderful fish it feels a bit funny at first while they're all swimming around your legs and some people go but no it's lovely and it's you can get this feed special feed to feed them which is wonderful you've got lots of other lovely walks you can do there you've got 14 species of seabirds that nest on the island as well and of course the famous wood hen that Mm. was rescued and saved many many years ago they got rid of pests they they? did it was pests and things mm. on the island. Well, I was there when they rescued the last pair of wood hens. Mm. I was just lucky. It was my first visit to Lord Howe Island back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes, they had a helicopter lowering the people down onto the ledge. And it was a Vietnam veteran pilot who was flying the helicopter. And he's reckoned it's one of the hairiest flights he's ever done, even compared to Vietnam. Right. Of course, he said the wind currents at the top of the mountain. And he's trying to lower these ranges down onto this tiny, thin ledge. It was quite... Mm 
a feet mm. and then they had to get the wood hens and get them down so it was remarkable but now you see them running around everywhere it's gorgeous they, they bred them and it's mm. all worked wonders and so we still have this wonderful little wood hen there so it's a very interesting island you've got the kentia palm which of course is is bought, bought uh, um, you can buy it there i've bought one home myself a kentia palm they export these all around the world normally so i don't know whether that's still happening at the moment of course so you can go there it is open but of course they're asking you to please obviously remember they don't have hospital facilities there even if you became asymptomatic or something even Qantas won't fly off the the island you'd have to have an air ambulance and then you've got to think about insurance and of course they're not going to cover COVID so just when you're thinking of any travel in the future now just make sure you're completely well and have your medical checks before you go and know that you are definitely a-okay because you don't want to be taking an infection to one of these beautiful pristine small islands and you know we we want them there forever for our forever island to visit so uh, delightful as i said there's so much you can do there fishing charters you know as we've just said kayaking swimming there's a surfing beach there's you know there's lots of uh, beaches that you can only walk or get to by water on the northern side you've got a surf beach on one side lagoon on the other so and as i said that just the beauty of of all the uh, flora and fauna there is just spectacular and the night sky is wonderful as well Mm, Island. It's a fair way offshore, isn't it? So it yeah. should be wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it is. And you've got no lights because they don't even have street lights. So you've always got to carry a torch. Beware. Take a torch with you. You do need one. And it's pitch black at night. Take your bike riding gear. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yes. Ride your bikes or walk. That's the way to get around. <laughs> Excellent, Lord Howe Island. What's around in the hot deals department of the travel marketplace? Well, there's still a few vacancies left for Lord Howe, um, you know, it, towards the end of this year or into early next year if you want to go, but you've got to book by 23 October to get some of these specials. Um, they all include your flights and seven nights accommodation and a varying range, again, whether it's apartment style or, you know, the type of accommodation, which most most of it is, but you do have some like pine trees that are all inclusive and some of the other lodges like Keller, as I mentioned to you, but there are now these lovely homes you can rent as, as well. So you've got quite a range there now. Um, and they start from around about $1,600 per person for the whole package. And it's got lots of other little extra inclusions in it as well. So it was like transfer you to your accommodation. And usually you get um, a free shuttle to go to any of the restaurants and bits and pieces are included in it. each package is different with each accommodation. So, um, And even if you're just wanting to go like we're doing soon, but we're driving to South Australia, but if you want to fly to Adelaide, look, there's some good packages into South Australia, ex-Sydney now, like seven nights accommodation, for example, with flights uh, from around about only $600. That's pretty reasonable. Mm. Or even down into Tassie, like to Hobart, um, the accommodation there is getting a bit scarce. I just was looking for November just to have a look around, depending on when they open up, but they're looking at November at the moment. So um, seven nights and flights there was around about six fifty lead in, mm-hmm. so it's pretty good value for money. Um, as I said with Lord Hayler, just remember that you must, of course, uh, make sure that you're completely healthy before you go and have a health check. Of course, the borders have opened as well to Norfolk, and they've got a range of packages as well. Book by thirty October. These are for next year, early next year onwards, um, and you can got packages there starting from around about thirteen hundred. Now the inclusions there will vary depending again on when you stay if it's a place that provides breakfast well you'll have breakfast if it's an apartment it'll be room only but some apartments give you breakfast provisions you get a car for the seven days you get um, 
um, a language class because they have their own special language <laughs> in Norfolk no. Island if you want to go. There's a bounty pass, there's a history in the making tour, there's an orientation coach. But again, each each particular accommodation centre has their own inclusions. Um, and just talking Tassie again, Bunnick Tours, who used to mainly operate you know, international tours, they're a South Australian company, it's, their name is Bunnick, that's their surname, they're a family, family firm. But they've got some tours uh, for Tassie for 2021 coming out now with limited seats and um, it's booking out. People are actually thinking ahead and booking out, but they've got a 14-day in-depth package hosted by Marion Bunnick and that starts from about just under $5,500, but it's very inclusive and fantastic itinerary. And Alaska, well, at the moment you can book with uh, Lindblad and National Geographic as well. They've got um, 2022 dates if you want to book that far ahead because we just don't know when borders, as we say, in the world is going to open. And if you book by 31 January next year, you get it at 2021 rates if you're thinking that far ahead. Mm. So there are some deals out there, Jane. It's just a matter of having a bit of a think and a look around. but And a dream. <laughs> and a dream. Like Dreams are always good and it gives, gives you plenty of time to plan because I think I've always said half the fun is the planning of your holidays, sitting oh, down yes. and nitty-gritting it all out, and which is what I've been doing over the last few days with our South Australian holiday. But I will talk about that when I come back. Sounds good. But you are here next week. Oh, I am. I am. So we're talking travel and we will be doing that. Thank you, Sally Lucas. Thanks, Jane. Again next Friday on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.